Hey everybody, it's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Yeah, welcome along. It's episode 35 of LOI Central. On today's show, uh, we've become a bit kind of specific uh, with today's show. We're going to talk to the League of Ireland Academy Development Manager, Will Clark. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with this, but I'm really looking forward to it because I think it's a really hot topic at the moment uh, where football is developing in this country. With myself, Johnny Ward and Dan McDonald in association with futureticketing.ie and I've come in here week after week after week with the prospect of Galway United potentially getting promoted. That will not be happening. One team that are in the... Of course, our great rivals, Sligo Rovers, even though they don't really consider themselves rivals, they're from a far smaller town, far smaller county, cemented their place in Europe by finishing uh, in the European spots, obviously, by beating St. Pat's. You've always and we speak up, to Gary Buckley. You speak to Gary I, I Buckley. I spoke now. to Gary Buckley. I always wind up what? You, you know, I think, do you wind up to people in Sligo by always going on about, ah, you know, Sligo is sort of... Uh, they, don't, they don't have much else going on is that sort of your type of stick around Sligo, I think I said it? that about Mayo in fairness like Mayo football that there's they really like Mayo football fans are absolutely fanatic I'm pretty sure someone said I'm sure someone said I probably said annoyed it's by what you Sligo said. but see Sligo, some Sligo fans can take stuff the wrong way Sligo as a town is a proper football town yeah. and I think if you ask people football is the sport there whereas in Galway for example you're competing against like soccer you're competing against obviously uh, Gaelic football hurling um, uh, rugby and booze mainly booze now in fairness so you're saying there's the nothing downfall you of many there, young players are you Galway. saying there's nothing in Sligo they've uh, Did they saying there's no art in Sligo Sligo's a really cool town actually yeah so so uh, are you not dis- are, you, are, you, are you not agreeing with me here Sligo Rovers is an unbelievably successful but they still club. play they, no, listen I, I, how I, are we so crap relative to them like we've, we've achieved we won our first League of Ireland title at any level at the weekend and I'm going to talk about that as well in, in, well we we'll talk about that with Will we'll absolutely um, I knew you'd we're, bring that we're, up we're, we're, we're going into our fifth season fifth season in a row in the first division but why do you have to juxtapose it against the paucity of options for life in Sligo it's just like like people grow up in Sligo with nothing they have no they have no booze there's no GA although there is there's no rugby although there is um, but Sligo's the, a football town well yeah but it doesn't it doesn't explain uh, you can't just say that's the reason they, they succeed extremely well run club clearly yeah, you see that's it that, now an, an academy now to be fair now you're getting to the, no, the nobody but, issues but this, this is more. Bu- no but it's it's before Sligo so, um, if you read Eamon Sweeney's There's Only One Red Army there's no comparable Go United to that like Go United exists in Galway for years and there's limited interest right I think it's, it's growing but that's it's not also as well because like at one stage I mean it was Galway was like the Nirvana for the League of Ireland there was three long of, before that there was three League of Ireland that was clubs. probably it's there, was, the there was three League of Ireland clubs in the mm. city mm. like is it not is it is it more so a case of alternative attractions or lack of in Sligo or just a complete failure of Galway to unite behind one club. There's definitely the, an element. You, you know, the, Ga- the Galway FA going one way at times. You have Merview, you've got Salt Hill, yeah. and you've got Galway United. And actually, is it more so a failure, as I would say, of, of how the senior football has been operated rather than it being some sort of, well, this town here is this, this town here is this, Declan McBennett's over in Monaghan, but his. But his and his drumlin or whatever, like you know that that your your fate is predetermined by where you're from. 
Is that what you're I, saying? I, I, I will not. I, I, could, I, I could argue with you because I, I think about the point. The dog could be similar. Why is the dog so successful? The dog and Sligo are, I think, are quite similar. I, I and like Loud is not a, a strong Gaelic games county. I would have thought. Well, no hurling in it really. But there is, but there is Gaelic games in Loud. There just, is. It's just a matter of that. It just so happens that the football club within it does well. Mm. Like you know, there's you could say the same about Athlone, and they've been in the they've been in the ditch for a long period of time. Mm. Like I do. I mean, I, 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 I've huge. I, I felt huge. I felt huge sympathy for you on Sunday I have to say because I did uh, like I was teasing you recently about uh, this is on WhatsApp now about you know uh, potential what you know what would you want from a 10 team league or a 12 team league and and I was joking like well I was just trying to wind you up by putting in other teams ahead of Galway and yeah I looked at the footage on Sunday of an aim in DC Park like sold out like what was the crowd on Sunday it was I, I'm not going to comment but it wasn't the official figure okay well what was the it was sold out Okay, so, yeah. well, how many people would you say were there, which leaves us open? In to, the general area of Terryland and its surrounds, 5,000. You would say around 5,000 people uh, there. See, that's incredible. And, and like, with the playoffs... I'm not, I'm, I'm not for one minute the, saying they were all in the ground. No, okay. I, I, A lot of them hovered <laughs> outside. I, I, I feel like... Not afterwards. You could have got away with not implying something there. You could have just said, me, said to me 5,000 people and people wouldn't have been under. A lot more impressed than 3,700. Well, I'm just saying that, that there was a lot of people there. And in fairness, with Treat United as well. Similarly, a really good crowd of around 3,000 or yeah. so for the first leg. And both teams going out to Bray and UCD. It's like, God, that's not great really, is it? With all due respect, Bray did have a travelling support and there is, you know, a committed but but small fan base there. Um, I, I do feel for you because clearly, like, there's that hints at a real potential that that could be there and that could be tapped into. I was surprised by that. I didn't think that the the promotion attempt this season had captured the imagination in such a way that you would get that crowd. I thought you would get a decent crowd, but the, the thought of it being sold out and packed before what is effectively a quarter final in a promotion mm. race. I thought that was great and I, I really like I feel bad for you that it didn't yeah. happen because you know this thing slides away um, and you hope it doesn't slide away like what do you put down to was it just appetite for uh, like why did it why did this game suddenly work you you, know? you you did you did slag me about the um, the media team but the social media aspect of it is huge like Galway United have 50,000 TikTok followers Mm. That that's just not that's all Paul Mladenovic who's just like into that stuff. I fifty thousand fifty thousand TikTok followers. Are they all real? Um, I don't understand TikTok, but we fifty thousand. Like I am Principal Skinner, where it's like, no, no, it is the children who are wrong. Life <laughs> is passing me by. Technology. I'm getting old. I don't understand what's going on anymore. Our social media. There were so many kids in the old stand, and a lot of them have to be 50, driven by that. Thousand TikTok. Mm. That's actually genuinely impressive. Mm. Um, are you on TikTok? Have no, you, have you done a TikTok? I don't even know what it is. Like, I, I know it's kind of a video It's like format. a short video sort mm. of with a music element to it, but I don't know. 2,300 at the Bray game in the league at the end of the season, which was a, t- a dead rubber ice. Although the real issue, 2,300, so there's what, 47,700 TikTok followers not, not going, going to that game. Yeah, I presume a lot of them don't live in Ireland, but... Yeah, I assume um, it's, it's good. It's everyone. good output, but um, uh, but I mean, what happened? I know and the under fourteens winning. Um, we'll talk, we'll talk about that. Will we'll Saturday? Talk. I think that there were twelve hundred at that game. So in that loan, so I think that set it up for this um, kind of great weekend of um, Galway United. But what went wrong? Um, Brandon Kavanagh plays for Bray. We don't have a Brandon Kavanagh. Yeah, um, and we had all the all the chances over the two legs, didn't score, and we. Didn't really create on the second half. It was very, very hard to watch. Yeah, I think very, it, very hard to watch. I think it's disappointing. I mean, you see Cork City making some good signings now already ahead of next season, and you see that they're giving it a bit of a go. And um, I mean, 
I don't think Longford coming down is as intimidating as a Shelburne coming down, but still it's going to be a, you can see, you can see Cork being stronger again next season, you mm. know, and um I do hope for your sake that it's 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 better. And, and Treaty, I mean, Treaty, um, having lost 3-0, and it does seem like one of these stories for people in Limerick that every time they get the big crowd, it just ends in ends in heartbreak. And yet, they were 2-0 up in the in the return. And, a very harsh and red then, card, apparently. a questionable red card, mm. definitely. I've only seen the footage that everyone else has seen. It looks harsh to me, I have to say. Um, um, I was in the old stand for the game. It was really nostalgic because it's usually the old stand which you see um, on the TV is rarely full. Like, it's very rarely full. But it was the other day and it was, it was strange. It was like going to games when I was 17 and basically the place was heaving and... Yeah, that was no, it. It's, I, five thousand come and that's it. Then they're done for the next whatever. Yeah, but I mean, no. I, I still think you know you, you got them in the door, and yeah, it was a disappointing day. But you would think it wouldn't take much next season. Mm. Good start to to channel it, and I suppose what it does show to me, I'd be I'd be a big fan of those playoffs. You know, I know some people think maybe it should be a. You know, I understand the football shouldn't be too legged in my view, but I think if you're going to keep the Premier Division as ten team, which I believe is the right thing to do at the moment, I think then the idea of giving more chances to teams in the first to make it less of a graveyard, so you have that playoff at the end of the year, I think that's actually pretty sensible. The only thing I change is, yeah, the only thing I change is it shouldn't be two legged. Galway should be at home to break, give them the advantage of finishing second as opposed to fifth. Not really much of an advantage over two legs. Like so, we finished fourteen ahead of Bray. Didn't really matter. Like, it's, you're into the playoffs. And I think psychologically that's hard for... Galway finished 14 ahead of Brave, knocked out in the playoffs. No, that is a fair point. Although, I mean, people would say, well, you then lost the home game against mm. Bray. You know, if mm. you've been given one leg at home to them, I mean, that's the game that you lost. But I, I do see what you're saying. Um, what what has happened elsewhere since we were there? Well, I mean, there is talk of this Bray-Cabentili merger, by the way, which is... Um, uh, I think some Bray people are pretty unhappy with the timing of that. And I still would imagine there'll be a bit of pushback from from Bray against that. Mm. We've had uh, the firework display in Waterford. Fireworks in, on uh, and off the pitch. Uh, for fireworks coming from off on, you know, onto the pitch there. It was like, um, it was a bit mad really, wasn't it? I don't like, think we should, um, I don't think we should, like the, the imagery was unbelievable. Like, and I think it was, it'll be used for it, it, promotional it, purposes in future. <sighs> And it'll be bad. That's not good. Like, well, no, like not that not that Anthony yeah. Words were diving for cover, but I'm just saying. Whatever about flares, this is really, really bad. No, no, I yeah. mean, and it was idiocy, and I think mm. I do think you know, Sean McGrover's had to make a statement about them, you know, um, and they 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 did on the on the Saturday morning, maybe not on social media on the Friday night. It's like the game has been stopped for yeah. no, <laughs> who knows Rob why this just, has been stopped. It was yeah, like it was it was tweeted by I think a French. Uh, news account with 3 million followers or something like that so That's it got, the, got pretty good. it was one of those but um, Waterford more I mean Mark Bertram more, basically, not happy. more importantly I mean Mark Bertram was slaughtering his own players because mm-hmm. they went 1-0 up and they, they were in control of their destiny and now they're in a situation where they're level on points with Finn Harps with a 7 goal inferior goal difference and they both play Longford um, which is you would think it's a good thing for both mm-hmm. of them um, but, but Waterford played them first and then play um, away to Longford on Saturday and then at home to St. Pat's the following Friday and maybe playing Pat's at home a week before the cup final isn't, be it, the worst. isn't it whereas, whereas Harps are going to Pat's this Friday I mean they both play the same two teams yeah. just in the reverse but but Harps um, I think I wonder will you might get a little bit more of a response from Pat's after losing last week at home to Sligo or overs they don't want to have a complete momentum killer so I feel like the, the fixture list as it's set up is a little bit uh 
it's harsh on harps potentially draw that are technically not out of it but they 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 effectively are I think they're four points clear of them they would need Harps and Waterford both to get take six points from the last two games yeah so I just can't I can't see that I, I wouldn't honestly you wouldn't know uh, that involves Pats losing both. all the way to the end of the season mm. I'm just I'm just not so sure about that and then Dundalk as we said never in doubt never in never doubt, in doubt. Could, I mean you look at the, get Europe yes. you, know, you never I mean you look at the situation where they could I mean if they'd beaten Longford uh, all the other times they played them this season they'd be they'd be but pushing for third actually on Dundalk is there a prospect that's like um, of uh, you know been looking at the transfer kind of links with some of the players is there a prospect of, of a body of players saying listen we'll actually stay with Dundalk if they stabilise in the off season and uh, give me something I, uh, give me a contract I, I, listen what I would say is, is it's gone a good type of quiet on the takeover stuff at the moment yeah. I think things are going better than they were last week. Um, but even if that local takeover goes through, um, it still doesn't change the fact that, I mean, Patching's going to, to Derry. Um, doesn't change the fact that a lot of players will have good options in Dublin as well. In some cases, that would be attractive to them just from a life perspective. You've got shells coming into the mix now as well. Um, but, but uh, you know, Andy Boyle is staying... It wouldn't take much to you would think to keep a core of five, six, seven. Ruben's the players. interesting one, right? If he if he were yeah. to say he's I, I looked into the link with Linfield, which I heard about. I don't think that's happening. So his options might be here or they might be in England. I doubt he's many options in England. So is he gonna stay at Dundalk? I think he I think the idea of being record goal scorer mm. all time for Dundalk is appealing to him. So the Hubinator, do you reckon? Say, it would be, it is, I think, yeah. yeah. He's only got eighteen goals to go. That is appealing to him. Wouldn't be like him. <laughs> <laughs> Your old pal. But uh, and Rory couple, Gaffney at the game a, as well the other day. There's a couple of things. Well, what could have happened if you'd gone up, you know? Yeah. But but um, what what happens in a couple of those instances? I'm not so sure, you know, because even what happens with the manager that it could be dependent on who comes various in various scenarios, you know, and like in some some cases you'd have players to be in a good relationship with the manager. I would say I don't think I would be reaching here to suggest. I don't know who, but if any part might have some work to do to like fully get on the same page. Although he's been playing very well for him, yes. you have to say um, tough love, Dan. But I don't, I don't know if he would be one of the ones that would have been initially um, chuffed about Vinny coming in. And I'm, I just know I'm telling the truth with that. Would you but, fancy the job, the Dundalk job? Uh, Take a year out of journalism, <laughs> <laughs> bring, in, bring in like a good coach underneath you. Yeah, well, do you have anyone? Couldn't get Higgins, Clancy, and O'Donnell law partners. I mean, none of them are available. The so, law partners. Yeah, we couldn't um, get them in. No, I, I don't know, John. I could bring you in as a number two. Paul Doolan. You'd be more arm around the shoulder. Good cop, bad cop. I don't know. No, I don't think it would work out very well, really. The two of us? No. It depends on the players. Uh, yeah, I could see some other issues. I no, but some other like, issues. If, if we've decent players and we get in a reasonable coach. Are you saying anyone can win? But what's not the point? Of, challenging necessarily. Mister goes on about young managers, and they're saying you don't even need to manage at all. You just need to, you don't need well, a coaching that, badge. That's what the Nice footballers did. They just abandoned their, we their just, whole management team. And they won their first we'd title. Need, we'd need a pro license. We need Can a pro get, license person. Do you have any in or Filippo or one of the lads? No, he didn't have one. That was the issue. Oh yeah, did he didn't get one since? No. Who would you get? Like, Joey? Yes, Paul Doolan. Paul Doolan, yeah. I, I think mean, there might be a bit of a kind of hierarchy issue. It's like, friction. Doolan, you're just kind of, you're just here to tick the box. Like, we're actually doing the match. Johnny's the number two. He's, now, he's not here at the yeah. moment. He'll be he'll be along soon. I mean... He may not have an ego, it, but we the, have. It'd be the massive egos. <laughs> it'd, be the best, it'd, be the, it'd be the best five weeks of all of our lives. Anyway, that will not be happening. But McDonald the t- and Ward but, and Doolan but, linked but, with... Uh, McDon- the, another... <laughs> McDonald Ward and... McDonald Ward and Doolan is more like, I don't know, a second-hand car firm <laughs> than a law firm. But, 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 but anyway... Um, you, we have Bowes who are now fourth 
um, with their with their win against Drada on Sunday. The boy Tierney, unbelievable form. It's like yeah. it's like he's, he's stepped up another level, and he's heading off to Mudbury. He spoke very pointedly after the game. I didn't realize that his, his brother took his life last year, and or earlier was it last year? Yeah, and speaking didn't know that. in a very unusual, like in a post match. Of a of a press conference, you know, to speak very openly about his brother Aaron and how that really affected him. And it was it was in twenty twenty, and he sort of said, you know, it was obviously the start of COVID, and then you know it only really hit him, I think, um, last year. You know, so he had a very difficult time. He's two young kids as well, mm-hmm. Ross Terry, even though he's quite young himself. So, um, yeah, some of those quotes were in the papers today. This is um, this is on Wednesday, so I think people will. You know, we'll 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 see that. Uh, sorry, Tuesday as I'm speaking today. Sorry, in Tuesday's papers, some some very honest stuff from Ross Tierney. But Bowes are in fourth. They're in control of their destiny. But they play Shamrock Rovers and Sligo Rovers the last two games, who technically have nothing to play for. Although Sligo Rovers might be having an eye on second, we could see. Mm. Um, and then yeah, we have a situation where the the big story, I suppose, on Friday in the league was. Um, Sligo Rovers actually qualifying for Europe and they you were at that 3-0 game. win I was at the game uh, away to St. Pat's they they were decent I think Pat's started slowly like a team who didn't have a huge amount to play for but Sligo Rovers capitalised Johnny Kenny very good um, and the spine of the team was good with Bulger Man. and Mahan and Gary Buckley, the other centre half, who I spoke to here, he signed a new contract. I mentioned that, and yeah, I caught up with Gary Buckley after the game. We heard the celebrations up here when yeah. the the full time came yeah. through in, in Donegal, or even when Finn Harps, I think, went ahead. But yeah. uh, I said to your manager, "Is it elation or relief after the last couple of months? Like, what are you feeling right uh, now?" I suppose it's hard to fucking put something on because like we were in that position all all season, really. I suppose yeah. we had a bit of a blip, but. That was um, that was always what happened to every team, but I'd say probably a bit of both, if I'm being honest. Because uh, we deserved it, I suppose, seasons are better than butter, so we definitely deserved it. And when it came home to the crunch, we, we produced in the last three games, and I suppose that's why we were there in the first place. Yeah, I mean, Europe, it's, it's a great thing. I know you've, you've done a new deal, so like you don't have those questions about where you're going to be next year, and now you know mm. you're, in, you're in Europe again. Yeah, that's where you to be honest, be. I, I believe that, that, um, that we would get it because uh, of our performance all year, I suppose. I knew that we had the character in the squad that we would get over the line in the end. And uh, like I said, uh, I signed deals because I, I knew there was progression in the, in the club and in the team and the management. So it's, it's, uh, I'm hoping that we can have a better European uh, yeah. uh, thing next year. So yeah, sure, listen, we'll worry about that when it comes around. Two more games to go, so yeah. as high as we can. Not to look back, but it did, like, that time of Europe this year, it was just that time where things started mm. to hit the rocks didn't it and I mean you probably yeah. should have got through that tie really like yeah, you know I suppose like, it, was, it, was, it was a weird one because Johnny Kenny and John Mahan had got COVID and then Greg got sent off and we were changing we were chopping changing everywhere and stuff like that so I suppose I, I think our, our European experience kind of told at that time they were, Europe, they were well equipped European team like even though I thought we were better over the two legs but I just goes to show European, European games are very unforgiving and stuff like that so no, no, don't. We'd have the experience this year to go to go to go whoever go next year to a yeah a better performance, I suppose, and more 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 importantly, a better result. How are you enjoying life over in yeah in Sligo? I mean, you're it's a lot quieter than parking. Yeah, yeah, but I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I've said it all the time. Um, I suppose I went to the fresh start away from Cork, and I've definitely got that. It's Greg Vulture coming into the background here. <laughs> He's not the reason I came in. <laughs> but uh, no, it's great. I'm uh, really enjoying it and my missus enjoying it as well. So play, the town is great. Small, small on Cork, but I suppose yeah. it's, it's good in a way because it's kind of similar to Cork's anyway, kind of community club and everyone gets behind you when it's going well. So it's I'm really enjoying it and 
I suppose I bit the hands off to sign, sign a new deal because I couldn't see myself playing anywhere else to be honest um, really enjoying it at the moment but obviously going back playing centre half and stuff like that so yeah, it's going well and hopefully we can progress even more next year and even the year after Is it different to Cork in some ways being in Cork you're a local lad everyone has an mm. opinion on the team yeah, but yeah. then you're there a while and you're yeah, probably yeah. like you get some feedback yeah, you don't the, want the, the <laughs> Cork road are, uh, are brutal on the, on the local players because they know I mean it should be more to them but um, I suppose I kind of just it's got the end of the road I think at Cork obviously people left and stuff happened and board changes manager changes and stuff like that but it's not a bad feeling I used to look at the results every week I was hoping they to do well and, and stuff like that so I'm still a Cork City fan at heart uh, Unless the best Lego, you know, yeah. they paid us this year. But, yeah. <laughs> so it was a weird one. That was a weird one. Where are you living in Sligo? Where are you? Um, in? I'm living just just practically inside Sligo town. So right, okay. close enough, literally thirty seconds from the ground. So yeah, it's too close. Everything, but not too close. Have I seen Bulger post up stuff? Have you been golfing with him a bit? Yeah, right? yeah, golfing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How's that I going? not lately because uh, he's been beating me the last few rounds. But be fair, I'm probably the most improved player. You yeah. Him, yeah, his handicap's gone up. Mine's gone down. So. Yeah, I've taken a few coins off him recently, but uh, he's not happy. Yeah, he's a he had to sign a new deal already. He's got me well. <laughs> but he's like, I know he's he's a, he's a test probably in his own way, oh, but yeah. like, but he's a big influence. Like, you can see oh, it with mass, the results. Massive you know? for our team and the club. Like, he's he's brought us on. Like I said, came fourth last year. Probably just scraped to be honest. So players like Greg and stuff like that has brought, brought us on even more. Even the club and dressing room that dragged players along and. Was his performance is obviously he's carrying injury for the last I don't know, month or so stuff. Even with that, he's just his presence around the place. Still, still a serious footballer. Probably, probably the best footballer midfielder in the league. Mm. And he's still he's thirty three. He won't leave me saying that, but yeah, he might look older than that. But he, play, he plays younger. Now. <laughs> plays younger. Just finally yourself. Are you sort of uh, are you thinking like a centre half now all the time in terms of uh, yeah. in terms of your actions like and your movements? Yeah, yeah. I suppose it took me was last year. It's probably settling, settling period, but. I think I'm probably more settled there now. I suppose I played there when I was younger and stuff. It probably took me time to get back there, but I know I always had kind of tendencies to play centre mm. half, and I probably I think it suits my game more. Now when I'm getting 28 and not getting older and stuff like that, so I always saw myself going back there eventually. I suppose it's just it's probably a blessing in the skies that happened here and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm really enjoying playing alongside John Mahan. So it's it's so far so good, and I'm really enjoying it. And can't wait for next year to be honest. Oh, sorry, one last question, Johnny Kenny. I mean, how good is he? I mean, you've played with Shawnee Maguire in mm. full flight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not, uh, he's not a bad... Uh, I know he's young. He's but very young, but I suppose there were different times in their career. Um, I suppose he, he always saying it, he's always saying to me, uh, who are we cup finals you play in leagues when I go, Johnny, don't you worry about it. You'll be playing a lot of them as well and stuff like that. Mm. So, um, yeah, he's a serious talent. Um, geez, he's only 18. I was telling him that day. goes, when he was 18, like, I was nowhere near you are. I said, just keep your head down and keep working hard and... I suppose he terrorised their, their, uh, their, 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 their halves tonight. Yeah. Um, he was our out ball the whole time. Only for him, we probably get over half there at periods in the mm. game. So for 18 years of age, it's, it's, it's scandalous. Like, uh, so much potential. Even even like he signed a three-year deal, and you're looking like after the three-year deal, he's still only 21. It's, yeah. it's crazy like how he's so young. I suppose it just depends on him if he stays down, keeps working hard. He'll have a great career, no matter where he goes. Good stuff. Safe trip. Uh, Will Clark, the League of Ireland Academy development manager. Um... It's interesting to hear Gary Buckley speak about what Johnny Kenny can do versus what players of uh, his age can do. Gary Buckley, Pico Lopez said the same about an underage game between Shells and Galway that he went to recently. Keith Ward said, I'm not sure I can play like the 16-year-old Mullins of today or whatever. Um, Jamie Mullins, football is evolving and you're at the heart of it. Well, yeah, uh, first of all, thanks for having us on, lads. Um, yeah, look, I think to be fair, there's, there's loads of good work going on around the country in that, um, obviously, particularly at academy level and um, I think the fact that even when you look at the like you know the, the senior section within the League of Ireland itself has probably become 
you know, a younger league over the last sort of, you know, five years and that. And I think the fact that there's so many good players now and there's so much time and effort being invested into the development of, of those players with potential, um, you know, and I think even from, uh, from a head coach's or a manager's point of view, I think a lot of people have sort of bought into the fact that, you know, really, if we're going to improve as a country, you know, we need to give opportunities to the best young players that we have. And um, it's great, as you, you mentioned there, obviously a few of the lads who have progressed this year, like the looks of Johnny Kenny and that, you know, and it's, um, and I think that's one of the unique uh, selling points that we have as a league, you know, the fact that, you know, good young talent can, you know, progress into first team football relatively early compared to other countries and obviously try and make an impression. So, yeah, so look, it, uh, it bodes well for the future. So, Will, take, take us back. When did you start in the FAI? Um, I'm gone back since uh, March this year. So, March, sorry, you're, yeah. as in, in this particular stint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, I obviously worked for the, the FAI previously and I've come back again, obviously. I started in March of this year. Yeah, March so. this year, yeah. So, how's it been so far? Because, I mean, the weekend just gone, we've seen um, various sort of uh, the leagues coming to conclusion. We've seen some of the, the finals then in Athlone as well. Um, it was obviously an interrupted start to the season because of COVID and, and that situation where teams couldn't even train for a period of time. So, now we're getting to the end of the season. How would you assess it? Yeah, look, from my own point of view, it's uh, obviously it's, it's great to be back in that, you know, and it's great to... I suppose, like, I, I think it's a really important role within Irish football and that, you know, and it's certainly a role that, you know, um, you know, like, I certainly feel the pressure of delivering for football in this country, you know, because it's it's going to be a huge part of the league going forward and for Irish football in general in terms of senior international football and things like that. So, um, but since I've come back in, yeah, look, it's it's been great, to be honest with you. I've really enjoyed it. Um, it's been, you know, obviously difficult enough at the start when you're, you're starting a new job and you're obviously not office-based and, you know, you're, there's a lot of sort of Zoom meetings and team meetings and things like that. So, it, you know, that part of it has been, you know, challenging because, you know, you like to get in front of people face to face and obviously build a rapport and build a relationship with people. But, um, but now since we've come in, uh, I think it's gone reasonably well from our own point of view in terms of, the, you know, the academy stuff and the underage stuff. Like a lot of what we tried to do at the start, like I suppose if I look back and I suppose the plan for, say, year one from my point of view, would be to look at the operational side of things mm. uh, and then obviously you know consults you know there's a, a lot of consultation going on um in terms of obviously like meet with the clubs and uh, things like that just to get obviously their input and uh, like how we can sort of obviously progress things going forward so you know whilst it's very important that we get the operation of a right it's also important that we get the strategic element of developing you know the academy structure and the league as well you know so mm. uh, so that's part of the bigger picture stuff so uh, even with that, you know, we've uh, I've sort of been uh, um, involved in the um, the, the the new strategic um, the FEI strategic plan, yeah, yeah, the new plan and that, you know, and there's been like I think probably in the last three weeks, maybe I think we've probably had eight of nine town hall meetings, whereby we've basically gone around the country and we've obviously consulted with you know various different stakeholders, um, and even tomorrow now, um, I think actually sorry on Friday rather we've got a double session uh, with the academy directors in relation to the you know the FEI strategy going forward and obviously a big piece of that will be the academy stuff and even tomorrow we're meeting with the uh, the PFEI to get their input into you know the, the academy stuff and that you know so um, and, and the one thing I found since I've come back in you know it is very open and you know I don't think uh, I think people are like certainly within the, the League of Ireland department like uh, you know we're very open to listening to people and getting their views and but ultimately, somebody's got to make a decision somewhere along the line. But uh, I do think that consultation piece is very important. And I'd like to think that we've done that reasonably well so far. And, and that's obviously going to continue. Like, that's not obviously just a, a once-off. Like, it'll be, you know, it, it'll continue and it'll become part of, a, part of the workload, really. 
Because mm. I think earlier this year you would have um, presented some figures about the reality of the, the League of Ireland Academy system at the moment. And it's, it's, it's hugely topical because I think people, everyone listening to the show, I think would broadly be aware, but, but clearly post-Brexit, the, the, the goalposts have changed. You were previously running up to Bray, Joseph's Academy. I mean, you've had, you had great success. I suppose if you reel off the list of players that are over in the, the UK at the moment, you'd Festy scored at the weekend. You did, yeah. One of yours, Festy yeah. Abaselli. And then you have the, okay, the Bray lads, Andrew Moore and Lee Kavanagh. Give me something, Meepo or the Beko. Like, yeah, you know, Shane Flynn doing well Shane at Flynn Leicester. and Leicester. There's, there's, a, there's a litany of them. But now, of course, 16 to 18, these players need to be at home. And you were involved in producing stats which showed there's, what, maybe six full-time staff members working in League of Ireland academies, the extent to which we're relying on volunteers and the extent to which other countries, you did. You were able to look at other countries and the, the average number of professional coaches they have there. What kind of response have you got to sort of putting that out there? Because it did sort of, you know, it's accelerated a debate about where things need to go. Yeah, look, and I think, you know, I think it's important that we're honest with ourselves and, you know, that we know where we're starting from. Like, we know where our starting point is. And and again, I think it's important that we do have the sort of facts and figures to try and back up, and you know, uh, the decisions that we make going forward or whatever, and that we're, that we're educated and that we, you know, that we do that we're not just working off assumptions uh, and things like that. Because that, you know, look, probably for too long things, you know, you know, as I say, we, we probably have worked off assumptions to a degree, you know. How do you mean worked off assumptions? Well, sort of like, we, you know, we, we'd all sort of, you know, we'd all have a maybe, you know, like a certain view of things, if you like. And sometimes it's interesting when you present those figures um, to, to, you know, to the different sort of stakeholders, if you like, it does open their eyes and think, okay, fair enough, like, you know, um, it, I suppose it paints a picture as to where we are at the moment, where we need to improve. And, and obviously then the question is, how are we going to improve it? You know, so it's a, uh, and even when I presented those figures, uh, Dan, that day at the, the EA Sports launch yeah. for the underage leagues, um, you know, part of that is trying to start the debate, you know, and, and because it is important stuff and that, you know, and uh, the reality of the situation is, you know, volunteers in this country have done an unbelievable job for the last 50, 60, 70 years. Um, and they've done an unbelievable job with two hands tied behind their back, and, and, you know, and we're certainly going to need volunteers going forward because ultimately that's going to be the bedrock, you know, because we're never going course, to, have, yeah. you, know, you know, so that's, that's not in question. But at the same time, we do need more people who are working in this particular sector if we're going to improve things. And again, the stakes have been raised even more given the impact of Brexit and things like that, you know, so, so there's a lot at stake here. Um, so I do think it's more important that we obviously try and put, you know, like, of course, resources are going to be limited. And we're not naive enough to think that, you know, that there's going to be an open checkbook and things like that. And, you know, that we have a wish list and it's going to be sort of just handed to us. Um, so I think it's important that, we, you know, that we that we work smart um, that we're very focused in terms of what we're actually trying to achieve. Um, you know, and, and we basically go from there, you know, because it's, uh, as I say, the stakes, the, the stakes are high and, and there's a lot at stake here for, for football for the next 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, because I think when the, even when the Brexit thing came in, there was, and you, you would have been in a different job at the time, but there would have been a lot of discussion of people saying, ah, this won't happen, you know, like this, this, they'll find a workaround, they'll find a way around that. And we have seen some players go to mainland Europe as it is, but does appear this is here to stay right i mean there's yeah. no there's no exemption or something coming down the tracks here is there is this this is where we are yeah no the, this is where we are um you know and again to be honest with you i think it's a massive opportunity yeah like i i don't view it as a negative to be honest with you you know i view it as an opportunity for us as a sport in ireland to to you know 
to sort out obviously the League of Ireland once and for all and that and to try and grow the league and um, but I think a key like a, a big point at that as well is that you know like we are still heavily reliant on grassroots you know because mm. it's not and there is a little bit of that at times you know that you're either in one camp or the other but the reality of the situation is if we're going to maximise the potential that we all know exists for football in this country we need everybody singing off the same hymn sheet and we need everybody working towards the same vision mm. so whether you're involved with you know, an under eight or nines team somewhere around the country or whether you're involved at Underage League of Ireland or, you know, uh, you know, senior management within the League of Ireland or whatever the case may be, you know, everybody has a part to play in the future development. Um, and that's just not like a soundboy or a quip or anything like that. That's the reality of the situation. And, you know, and if we all want senior international success, which everybody agrees, you know, we'd like to see that. And we all want, you know, uh, you know a better, more improved, vibrant League of Ireland that we can all be proud of you know, there's plenty of work that goes on beforehand, you know, so, so we really need to get everybody on the same page now and obviously try and get people to sort of, you know, work, uh, work together and, and work for the better of the game, you know, so it's, mm. uh, because the reality is Brexit is here and, 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 you know, based on the information that we have, there won't be any, any sort of, you know, um, you know, sort of exemptions made for Ireland or anything like that, you know, so it's, uh, so again, like time isn't our friend here, you know, we've got to crack on and, and even I was sort of making the point to academy directors, like we have kids who are playing under 14 football in Air League at the moment who potentially in five years' time could be re representing, you know, the senior international team. So like time is of the essence in that, you know, so we don't have any time to to, to waste, you know. The the under 14s game on uh, the final on Saturday, the Galway United manager um, came from Spain, but he's paid, he's paid manager at Galway United. Um, and he came from kind of Catalonia and he was, I did an interview with him, which I'm hoping to publish this week, but that game, I was talking to him about the whole process. There were 1,200 people at the game, right? And he was talking about, they train three times a week and he was talking about the, the, the liaisons that they've had with other clubs and there were 1,200 people at that game and some of them were chanting, Galway, Galway, right? Now that, I just want to make a distinction here. These are not Go United fans. Nobody at Go United chants. These are people who are new to it and they're introduced because their parents or their brothers or their mates of the kids. And it was an amazing, it was Go United's first ever senior league title. And um, it showed the potential. Kyle Fitzgerald, people were raving about him. This is a Shamrock Rovers team that's completely exalted. And I, I was speaking to a few people throughout the, the Irish football about this. And it was just said that what this is doing, the underage leagues for rural Ireland, really, like whereas these players might be playing in Belvoir or whatever back in the day, they can now get lifts to train them with their parents to become friends with other people from Galway. 50-50 split county and city, I'm told as well. And the boost Galway United have gotten off Saturday is unbelievable. And I think it's shown the potential for where we can go. Absolutely. Just on that, because like I, I, I spoke to Johnny Clinton a few weeks ago in Talca. Um, I think the split was actually there's far more count, uh, like county lads than city lads, which surprised me, you know, because again, all those things are important. But even as you say, like you know, there's a massive opportunity with the underage stuff in terms of attracting new uh, supporters to the league, mm. and and again, there's an opportunity for all the clubs to try and you know, like you know, develop that emotional attachment between the players in the club and obviously the club themselves and that, you know. And well, see, Dan, Dan was saying that he was surprised that there was such a big crowd at the game Sunday. And just for argument's sake... It's called Dan, the Galway United The Galway game, game sorry. So the 14s were paraded at half time, and... That's what. That's the point. I think that's lost as well. You, you're creating a massive community around the club from 14s up, and the women's teams as well. If they're involved, whereas for years, League of Ireland teams were just detached. They kind of existed on their own. 
Yeah, I know, absolutely. It's, um, and I think the one thing that we have now is that we have proper clubs as opposed to we have a collection of teams with a reserve team, if you like, you know, mm. and it's in it. That obviously presents its own challenges in terms of resources and everything else. But, but by and large, you know, I think it's a, you know, it's been a, a really welcome addition to, to Irish football, to be honest. Well, with so he's paid, but like obviously a lot of clubs can't afford to pay an under 14 manager or an academy. So where does this money come from? Look, that's a big question. And and again, but Johnny, the thing about it is it's not just all about money. Mm. Like there's so many things that we can do to improve, you know, um, what we do that don't require money. And again, even the, like when I look back and say the first seven or eight months of my time in the role, you know, there, there's loads and loads of things. Like, and even like if you look at, say, um, on Friday, so on Friday we have all the academy directors in, Um so we're going to go through obviously the FEI strategy stuff and get their input Sorry, into it. I presume that's 20 people, is it like so? Yeah, well, well, basically what we've done is, um, again, just to try and to, you know, make allowances for people's schedule and obviously, you know, uh, the geographical location mm. of where they're based. And we've got a meeting in Abbottstown on Friday and then we've got a, a, an online, online okay. call on Monday evening for everybody else. Because again, it's important that, you know, that we make it as accessible for everybody to give their input. Um, but even just on that, like, you know, it's... Um, so on Friday, obviously, we've got the, the strategy stuff in the morning. And then in the afternoon, we've got a review of the current season, you know, based on, you know, the, the club's perspective in terms of what we can do better, in terms of maybe explaining some of the rationale uh, as to why we've done certain things, maybe, or if there's any queries. I don't, I don't know what will come up. Um, and obviously, part of it going forward is it's important that the association and the clubs and everybody is on the same page moving forward. So, you know, so again, we're trying to obviously get everybody working together and, you know, that we're moving forward in a positive manner, you know, um, uh, you know, into, into next year and beyond. Damien Duff, I know, I mean, we, we all have, uh, we all have uh, interests away from our work life. I know you're like, you're a Shells fan. I yeah. think it's, it's fair to say that. And you're obviously, I'm sure the Shells party is sort of excited by the Shells revival, but Damien Duff is such a, you know, such a big name and such a big appointment. And he's been probably great for the underage leagues to have him involved. But he did speak, at, I think, last week at his gig about the, the underage leagues and he's like, enjoyed it, really good. But some issues he would have maybe as well. And he spoke about the concept maybe of maybe seeding, you know, or, or to avoid the situation that we do know exists where you have some pretty one-sided games, you know, at times. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's possibly one of the issues that you're, you're constantly looking at and, and saying, what do we do here or, or not do here? You know, do you persevere? Like, what's your, yeah, your take on it? No, I, I think obviously going forward, like one of the key, I suppose, KPIs for, for me would be the, you know, the certification of academies over mm. the next day, a few years. So, um, so we're going, we're, we're beginning that process at the moment because again, that's going to be a big piece of work for clubs. So it's not right that we turn around to a, you know, a club in whatever, October, November, at the end of a season and say, by the way, from February, lads, this is what we're doing going forward. So can we explain the certification to people? Like, for example, in England, there's a Category 1 Academy, Category 2, Category 3, and the status of your academy determines your entitlement to compensation and various things, yeah. right? So is this what you're talking about? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. And look, to be honest with you, I don't like using the word categorization because ultimately you're talking about kids, whatever, you know, yeah, so we yeah, use yeah. the word certification. So again, you know, clubs will be able to apply for whatever certification, you know, so like a club will either, like either have like full academy status or else a development academy status. Okay. So, you know, but again, there's loads of moving parts to this, Dan, you know, it's important that, you know, we've got some really progressive, re you know, some clubs who are really invested in the underage stuff and, and the academy development. Um, and they might, you know, have more resources than maybe some of the other clubs who don't. So to be fair to the clubs who don't, you know, they've obviously got a, you know, 
they've got to prioritize where the resources are and that you know but from our point of view you know we need again everybody trying to do the best job that they can so we don't want to cut off maybe some of the clubs that don't have the resources if you like because that's not the right thing to do either and um, but at the same time we do need to make sure that you know that there are more better games um and that's certainly something that will uh, that will come in as part of the certification process so again when you look at the certification stuff like you're looking at you know obviously the qualification of your coaches you know uh, productivity levels in terms of you know players transitioning from their academy into the first team uh, you're looking at facilities you're looking at you know all your personnel your uh, you know all that type of thing you know so it's um, how long does it take to achieve a certain so well basically what we'll do is you know we're, we're going to start the process obviously in the early in the new year mm-hmm. um you know with the plan obviously to implement it in 2023 and um, so we'll basically you know we'll roll it out we'll give the clubs you know four or five months to you know get their uh, house in order get their house in order yeah they'll be able to apply and then based obviously on on the application mm. they'll get you know they'll, they'll receive whatever the whatever certification they receive you know and um, but it is important that you know we do need to have more better games for the players um because if you know if the games are too one-sided well then that's not good either to be honest mm. with you and again when you look at you know when, when i talk about limited resources i'm not talking about you know money all the time i'm talking about even time so the time that we have with the players be it the number of games we have a season or training or whatever, we've got to maximise that as well, you know. So with the greatest respect in the world, you know, we don't want teams going out winning sort of three, four, five, six nil because it's no use to anybody really, you know. So, so again, that's one of the areas that we're going to look at in terms of uh, like the games programme because even when you look at the games programme, like it's very linear, you know, like it's a league and it's a cup, you know, and that's existed probably in football for the last hundred years, if you like, you know, but that's not necessarily the best way to develop young players. And again, even with... Like a lot of, I suppose, say the, the, the finals and, and leagues are coming to an end, obviously, like either last weekend or this weekend. No games till March now, is it? No games till March, yeah. That's well, sorry, it'll be sort of February, it'll be early February. Yeah. And that's, well, that's sorry, finish your point. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, just, just on that, but yeah, so just, just in terms of the, whilst it's brilliant for all the clubs to win, because that's, you know, obviously it's important, it gives it a little bit of profile for clubs and say for Galway and mm. things like that. Ultimately, it's about, you know what happens at the end of the academy system and structure it's about productivity it's about so it's not necessarily about winning a corporate league at under 14 or 15 level really although it's great for those clubs and, and for the players and everything else and a lot of work goes into that but ultimately it's about how many players can get through at the far end you know that progress and play for Galway United's first team for example and it was lovely to see Roland Subs as well the Galway manager played um, a, a keeper in either half that's his policy and I think like how, how do you assess a coach because it's, it's it's obviously about developing their skills but winning isn't everything and it's like who's coming through and who's progressing here like because who's developing as players I suppose like yeah like, and, like literally again without sounding cliche you know but like development isn't non-linear mm. sorry it is non-linear rather it's like and it's not you know, and, and sometimes I think like when we're looking at, say, talent identification and that, you know, we have to get away from trying to develop, you know, teams in this country because academy football isn't about having the best team. It's about developing players, to be honest with you. So, for example, if I'm an academy director or a head coach and I'm looking at, you know, young Johnny Ward, I basically got to sit down and say, OK, well, you know, where does he need to improve as an individual? You know, because for far too long in this country, you know, we, we've we've we basically tried to develop a good team to win in the past, maybe in all Ireland or, you know, whatever league or, mm. you know, so we need to make sure that we, that we learn from the mistakes of the past, that we move forward or whatever. And we become, we become more focused 
on developing individual players as opposed to developing teams. See, that yeah. flies against all the, like you've the parent on the sideline, you've this idea of we want to win here. The win, like there were Galway fans like jeering at Shamrock Rovers under 14 for taking too many yards on the throw. Like I was like, so you, you have that mentality in the background that you're trying to challenge almost as well. Like, yeah, look, and, and, and like it was funny because I was in Roadstone actually on Saturday afternoon for the, because Rovers under 17s won the league. So again, mm. we we're there for the trophy lift. But I went home and I watched obviously the game on LOI TV. And it was brilliant for the last few minutes because you could hear the supporters chanting like Galway and that, you know, like, and, but even with that in itself, uh, Johnny, that's part of those kids' development. Mm. You're playing in front of like, you know, a big crowd, you know, you're maybe taking a little bit of stick or whatever, albeit in, you know, good natured or whatever. But, but again, there's so many different parts that like player development isn't just about the technical development of a player. There's so many moving parts around it and that, you know, so, so that's. And, and that's what we've even tried to do with the likes of the finals and that with EA Sports. We've tried to sort of make it like a proper match day experience for the kids. And again, I was up in the Brandywell there the week before last. The Bowls game, yeah. Yeah, look, it was great. Like, I think, you know, I think there was probably 1,300 people at that again. That was the 19s, wasn't it? It was the 19s, yeah. yeah. But even towards the end, to be fair, Derry had a player sent off early in the second half and they played probably they played probably for about 55 minutes with 10 players and that. And Bowes, you know, a little bit unlucky on the night and just couldn't break them down or whatever. But the crowd, to be fair, started, like, again like you know start chanting about Derry and all the rest of it and it, you know and the players you know like it, it gave them that extra one or two percent to hang on now they were probably hanging on for penalties which you know they ended up winning or whatever but again that's a really good learning experience for those players like what it means to play for Derry City in front like in front of you know 12, 13, 1400 you know spectators mm -hmm. and that you know so as I say player development isn't just about the technical aspect of it, you know. Mm. So next season, right, the 2022 season, what are the leagues going to be age-wise? age, age wise? Is, it, is it under 14 or is it under 13 next season? Um, I think that's to be decided. It's TBC. TBC. No, the, the, the decision has been made, but I think it's important to people involved in the game that it's done in the right manner, to be fair. That so, it's communicated Exactly. To so okay. I don't want to come on here, obviously, and people are finding out here, you know, because again... We'd like to if they did find out here, but I understand yeah, your perspective. Yeah. Come on. But, well, no, okay, but is the issue of the gaps is obviously a, a big one. Yeah. So is that one that you're very well, cognizant of? Yeah, well, I think if you look at, say, the 14s and 15s, you know, that's worked really well because, again, from my point of view, again, when I did the, the research when I came in, like, I think when we had the under-13 league initially, I think we had... You know, I think it was 480 players uh, involved under 13 level, you know. And then I looked at the, the players of the, the, the 480 players that progressed under 15 level. I think it was only about, you know, 130, 140. That to me just doesn't make sense. It's a massive, that's a, that's, that's a lot of disappointed Yeah, and, and again, even sort of aside from the football part of it, that's like a lot of sort of damaged relationships between yeah. the club, like the League of Ireland club, local clubs, you know, grassroots clubs and, and families in the community and everything else. Like, you know, so there's a certain element of reputational damage there, like yeah. in that, you know. So um, so from my point of view, I think the 14s and 15s has worked really well in the sense that kids have two years now, you know, initially, um, you know. And then obviously when you move on to under 17, there is a little bit of a, a split there. But again, we can be creative in terms of how we manage, um, you know, manage players in terms of, like in terms of different games, um, you know, you restrict the number of players born in a year. All these things are up for discussion, to be fair, and that's why we're meeting the clubs to get their impact, or sorry, uh, their their input in, in terms of how we move forward. Because uh, even that 13 December and January is a massive difference. Like, huge. Yeah, know, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I was always constant that growing up. Like, it was, 
you know you were envious of the kids that were born and like but how many say if at under 14 level how many players give or take in the average under 14 team are underage for the following under 14 year so how many of them are say, effectively under 13 well uh, well none at the moment so basically to play under 14 you have to be born in that particular okay. year and yeah, then okay. everybody moves on to under okay. 15 and, and the same thing applies but what we've done even this year with the real books you know because you know we love a real book in this country you know and everything is black and white Ollie Byrne loved the real book of course yeah, absolutely yeah. knew it inside out <laughs> but the thing about it is you know again we, you know we have to be we have to be flexible in terms of the rules if you like to try and help player development, if you like. So, for example, if you take a kid playing under 17 football, he could be born in quarter four of under 16. Yeah. So he's far closer in age to the kids on the age group below than he is to even some of his teammates. So I don't know why, you know, we don't allow players to maybe drop down and play a certain number of games with under 15s, if that's the best thing for the player and that. So that's what I'm talking about in terms of being flexible around the rule books and things like that. Um, because at the minute, we're probably still a little bit too rigid yeah, uh, and that doesn't help player development. Say if you had one competition where it was June and the other competition was January, for example. Yeah, that's and then that's necessary. That's necessitating other players playing as well, like so giving them a chance, like, yeah. something like that, just for. Well, well, even with that, like again, getting back to the games program, like we're looking to to come up with different, more creative ways to to help players uh, learn. So even if you look at next year, you know we're going to try and introduce uh, international breaks around the various uh, because. Although it's happening at senior level, the same thing happens at underage level it's as well. More impactful at underage level, almost in a little some, bit. Some, some yeah. Ways, yeah, yeah, a little bit. So, so again, one of the things that we've tried to build into next year's schedule uh, are international breaks. Now, we don't want you know kids not to be playing because Ireland's under 16s are playing, for example. But what we'll do is, you know, we'll use those free weekends, if you want to call it that, to either have like you know internal CPD for for coaches in the club to run like different innovation tournaments, you know, similar to what they do across Europe and things like that. So again, you know, we want to make the most of the time that we have and we need to be a little bit more creative in terms of the, the, the likes of the games programs that we have for the kids. And it's not just the league and the cup. Um, because I say that, that competition is obviously very important, but it doesn't always have to be competition. You know, we have to get the balance right. So where does your... Um where does your department sit with the rest of the FAI in terms of your interactions with people? I mean, listen, Rude Doctor, it's come out last week that Rude Doctor is leaving and that's obviously a, a hugely important role going forward. I know it's been re-titled re sort of as Director of Football, but how important is it for you and your department that what you do and what you believe is aligned with whoever yeah, well, fills like, that position? Well, I think one of the, the, the really positive things uh, that's happened in the FEI and you know uh, obviously in recent times would be you know the restructure and particularly the fact that now there's a like a specific League of Ireland department mm. that didn't always exist so obviously we have like you know there's nine people working in our department who are working exclusively on the development of the league of, of the league uh, and then we also have the ETB you know that falls under Luke Hardy who's the education manager's uh, that's under Luke's brief Explain ETB for people who don't know, sorry. It's the Education Training Board. Yeah. So it, I suppose it would be what people would probably remember as being maybe the old FOSS course, maybe, yeah. if you like, you know, whereby players come in, you know, they train full time, they get their, obviously, you know, their education as well. So, um, you know, so so the ETB centres fall under under the League of Ireland Department as well. So it's a, it's a big department in that, but I think it's great that we have a department within the FEI now that is solely focused on trying to develop the league albeit with the support of other departments if you like you know we don't just work in isolation but even if you take my own point of view you know like i'd be in you know constant dialogue uh, and communication with the likes of jeremy mcdermott who's the head of grassroots 
Um, again, we'd be in constant touch with the international department. Uh, the high performance department obviously would have been rude in that. Um, so there is a lot of internal communication going on, which is only good for the game as well, because maybe in the past, you know, the different departments maybe worked in isolation a little bit. Mm. And now I think we're sort of, we're joining up the dots a little bit now, if you like, you know. So again, I think it'll help operationally. Um, and I also think it'll, you know, it, look, it'll just benefit the game going forward, you know. But is it important though that whoever comes into that director of football, that they buy into the League of Ireland Academy concept as opposed to maybe, I don't know, you know, hear alternative views, but National Academy, one academy, there's obviously different opinions yeah. exist around that, but I presume from your perspective, you would like a director of football as much as you can't influence this, you know, who was who, who was on the same page as you guys about development. Yeah, of course, look, and, and even with, again, going back to the strategy stuff, like all of those things are up for discussion at the minute. Like even the strategy that was presented at the, the General Assembly in July, that's very much like a framework strategy, if you like, uh, and again, I've been involved in some of the town hall meetings. I would imagine that that document will look very different to the document that was presented, if you like, you know. So, and that's why we need to get the input. Now, obviously, the the appointment of a new, uh, you know, director of football will be, you know, a massively important uh, appointment within the association. And again, from our point of view, you know, we'd like to think that they would be supportive of what we're trying to do in terms of obviously developing and improving a League of Ireland Academy structure. Um, but again, as I say, it's important going back to say the grassroots and, and trying to link everything like we, we can't work in isolation anymore if you like you know so if the League of Ireland Academy structure is going to be strong and you know as, as you know to try and maximise the potential that exists there well then we need the support like we need to work with grassroots football to be honest with you and likewise if the international stuff is going to be you know as strong as it can be well then we obviously need to work with them to support them so it genuinely is about everybody sort of you know being on the same page and pulling in the same direction and that you know and yeah it's a uh, you know so and you'd like to think that the new director of football will obviously oversee that and and, and influence I believe that. that yeah because i mean on that i mean you, you mentioned the under 19 final this would be one of the criticisms of the, the system as it exists like players come up to get to under 19 level and then that's it off you go yeah you know we'll see you and like some of you will, will take you and a lot of them just now i know that's the nature of football everywhere by the way like you know sometimes this discussion i mean people get released unfortunately at all yeah. at all 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 countries in the world but there is talk about a new third tier potentially coming into the league of ireland here which i'm guessing would be something that would sound good to the academy structure that you would think okay we're not just having this massive cull at under 19 level yeah people are gone like i mean what's what's your take on just even in terms of the say the, the drop off if you like at the end of under 19s you know again that's a it's a good example whereby you know like like that's a bit of an issue for the men's amateur game if you like you know because we've we've invested all this time and effort and energy and everything else into the, trying to develop you know players and kids and making sure they have a like an enjoyable experience and for like you know Far too often, to be honest with you, at this stage, like, you know, if kids don't progress into first team football, they do tend to drop off. And, and, and that's a problem that we need to address. And again, when you say drop off, well, look, they, they might just be, you know, because kids invest so much into it and so much time and effort and, you know, and, and they want to play. They want to progress to first team football. And, and, and there is an element of disappointment if they don't get offered, you know, uh, like a, like, you know, uh, a place with a first team or a professional contract or whatever. So they might be slightly disillusioned. So again, it's up to, the likes of myself and Jer in particular, obviously, because Jer's head of grassroots. Like one of the things that we're looking to do now in the, in the coming weeks is to have, you know, like a series of, of exit trials. So for kids who are finished under 19, okay, well, what can we do in a practical way to try and make sure that these kids aren't basically cut adrift 
well, look, it's not the League of Ireland's problem anymore. Forget about them. You know, who's next? So we basically want to make sure that, you know, that we have like a series of sort of like exit trials, if you want to call it that, or mm. whatever name we put on it, whereby kids will come, we'll invite, you know, whether it's intermediate managers, like the Leinster Senior League, Munster Senior League, other League of Ireland managers, because just because you're not necessarily good enough to play with Shamrock Rovers for a team. You can imagine Ollie Horgan there just spotting a diamond. Absolutely, like, yeah. 100%, you know. Mm. <laughs> but That's, it's, it's practical, like. It is practical. Mm. And again, like, you know, we have a duty of care to players to do. Look, we, we can't solve every problem that exists in football. But that, that, again, is something that doesn't cost any money. It's just a little bit of, you know, we're aware of a problem. Okay, how can we help the kids? Uh, and look, you know, if it means that we keep a few more kids in the game, playing, you know, for a different League of Ireland club or playing in the Leinster Senior League or the Munster Senior League or junior football with their mates, well, then happy days, it'll be, it'll be worth Dan well. spoke about the move to third tier. Like, do you think that would be beneficial? Yeah, look, I think so. I think, I, I think obviously the football pyramid will be important. I, again, when you look across the water to England, I think one of their strengths is the fact that they have a really strong football pyramid. And mm-hmm. um, It's a major problem in this country, isn't it? It's so scattered, like... Yeah, look, it is. Like, and it's because you have to... You sort of have to incentivize people again when you when you're talking about senior football. You know, there needs to be an incentive to want to do well and things like that and to progress, or or know that there's sporting repercussions. Maybe if you cost you and a little you know, bit, you know that yeah. you haven't you'll have like backing because like say if if a, a would be League of Ireland team wants to join this yep. mooted third tier, which may entail playing five reserves teams you need compensation for that. It's not necessarily going to bring loads of people through the gates initially. No, and, and look, I think the, the third here, a large part of what it's about, you know, um, obviously there's an element of development in it. Mm. Uh, because again, we need, you know, we need to like find a little bit more time for all of these players that have high potential. Um, and again, to be fair to first team managers in the league, it's not, it's not possible to put every good young lad uh, into a first team at that given moment of time because every club has different circumstances and that you know so so again we've got to make sure that we try and structure the leagues and um, you know to make it as easy as possible for first team managers to pick younger players if you like you know mm. um, and obviously that would be one of the one of the possible solutions and that's so uh, mm, it's an interesting one so you mentioned you're, you've been going around to these town halls um, and I suppose there's an element you can't tell us everything that goes on because I know they're obviously yeah, yeah. They're private sessions but like, what is the mood out there when you go to places and you talk about maybe the importance of the League of Ireland in places where maybe there's no tradition in that area of League of Ireland? And to be clear, like, let's be honest, you know, Rude Doctor it comes out, he's leaving, and you see the, 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 the breadth of response to that, that you will see some people who say, yeah, it was great, he, he did this, and then you'll see people maybe on the school by side of it or like, good riddance is their attitude yeah. you know what are you what's the mood on the ground that you're experiencing when you go out and you're you have been out there meeting people there's there a range of attitudes that exist towards what you're doing um i've got to be honest with you the the, the overarching feeling is that you know that ultimately we all want the same thing in football um and it, like you know every sort of town hall that i did and all the groups that i facilitated without a shadow of a doubt everybody is in agreement as to what we all want for football in this country so the question is, okay, well, how do we achieve that now? If you like, you know, so, so look, to be honest with you, I was probably a little bit surprised at the positivity of people who attended the town halls. Um, because again, I think, I think they were important for a few reasons. Obviously one, very important for us to listen to what people on the ground want and what they think and, and get their input. Secondly, you know, uh, maybe for one or two people to maybe voice their, their frustration maybe at, at, you know at, at things or maybe mm. not being listened to in the past but I've got to be honest with you Dan 
you know, there wasn't there wasn't very much of that. Like a lot of the meetings were really, really constructive. Uh, and and to be honest with you, we ran out of time. Like the, the meetings mm. are three hours long and we, we, we ran out of time, honestly. Uh, because people like Del Boy, our producer, wants to get his NCT done. He's like, this, like every minute. podcast goes, we always run out of time. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but no, no, as I say, look, p- people were really positive. Uh, and, and look, the, the question is, you know, how can we get everybody pulling the same direction to achieve what we all want? Because nobody, there wasn't one town hall that I attended uh, where people didn't have the, you know, the, the same ultimate objective it's, it's interesting you say that this is one thing briefly I've noticed from talking to people about the underage the amount of times like when Watford won the it was in 2019 they won the 19th final and Colin Whelan was up front for them right and consistently when you talk to people about how was the game the amount of times they say oh geez the lad and the opposition or the opposition were so good like they, they really talk about like these players that are just playing they're coming up not necessarily for the club you're supporting like and I, I love that and I do feel that they are kind of we're, we're trying to get Irish football to prosper here and we're trying to get kids do regardless of who they're playing for yeah no absolutely and, and, and that's what I'm saying Johnny like everybody I think is you know everybody wants the same thing ultimately mm. then we might we might disagree as to how we're going to achieve that but I've got to be honest with you I sat down and I won't I won't name names but you're sitting down with people from different strands of the game and I swear to God without a shadow of a doubt and, and it happened on probably three occasions and and by the end of that three hours those people have a certain level of respect you know, and they have a different perception uh, of that particular strand of the game, having sat down across the table from what somebody do you else. Mean strand of the game, like so. I, for example, without... a League of Ireland person sitting with a schoolboy person. Mm. So mm. again, the schoolboy person will put over their point of view. The League of Ireland person will put over their point of view, uh, and by the end, we'll say, "Well, okay, geez, didn't realise that." You know, and talking helps. Say, yeah, it does because we did have a, an Irish football family that was so deeply divided. For Divide so and conquer was yeah. a bit of a strategy, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And, you know, and, and and that's definitely been one of the positives. And that I think people have a new found maybe appreciation for p- different people's point of view. Yeah, and I know, like, I can completely see where the schoolboy clubs were coming from, and I think some of the League of Ireland clubs probably still aren't really properly equipped to do this. But I think if we agree on that and say, listen. We all we're starting off a low base here, like, and give us time, like, because yeah. um, I don't know, and I've gone on about this, but I I don't want to underestimate how important last Saturday was yeah. for soccer in Galway in general. It was an amazing night, and for a success-starved club that never wins anything, to see those kids in front of twelve hundred people meant an awful lot. And then you're thinking, like, where could these kids go? And it's it's the, the excitement of that football family that yeah. is Galway United now. And it, it gives people hope, doesn't it? Like, mm. it, like honestly, like like. As the League of Ireland support myself like it does I spoke to Stephen Bradley after that game just, yeah. well, just I'm not name checking here but he was at the game and he said you'd be so encouraged just for yeah. the future of Irish football just watching a game like that yeah. Yeah. and that's Stephen Bradley like and, and I, 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 I was amazed even Pico Lopez was raving about the qualities of under 17 this under 14 Galway game is going to become like uh, the people who saw the Beatles in concert for the first time we, or we, something but like this Kyle, Kyle Fitzgerald's goal for example <laughs> and, and, and this just briefly on that this is another interesting thing so you, if you have a player who's become a mini internet sensation at that age yeah you have to handle that now. And there'll already be agents thinking about him. Yeah. But I, just getting back to a point that you made there, so, you know, I, I do think it's important. And, and again, I'm a little bit like this. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day, if you like, mm. you know, and, and that's the one thing that it's important. And even to be honest with you, from my point of view, I've got to manage my own expectations because we all want everything done like yesterday. And that's not real either. So as we try and develop and improve football in the country, it will take a little bit of time, you know, but the one thing that I would be positive about is the fact that I do think we've maybe turned a little bit of a corner uh, within the association. And I do think, you know, that we are making progress. 
albeit people maybe on the ground may not see that at the moment, but certainly the discussions and the conversations are being had. Uh, you know, the decisions will be made in due course and all the rest of it. And then obviously the big thing is to, to implement you know, what we believe is the right thing what, for what kind of What kind of yeah. feedback are you getting from, say, board people or Jonathan Hill? Like, you know, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know if Jonathan Hill is going to be calling the league a difficult child, like at any stage in the next yeah. while. Like, what sort of sense well, I, are you I think to be fair to Jonathan, like, now again, you know, I'm not sure of the exact number of grounds that Jonathan's been to, but I think Jonathan has probably been to, you know, at least 75, 80% of, of uh, grounds this season, to be mm. fair which just goes to show, you know, the, the level of interest he has in the league and that, you know. And yeah, even, although, I mean, touring grounds was a thing of a previous CEO, yeah. to be fair. You know yeah, what I mean? Well, like, yeah, well, look. The, well, they look, weren't League of Ireland grounds either. No. I, 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 can only, I can only, you know, base things on how I found them so far. And, you know, I, I do think, you know, not just obviously uh, Jonathan Hill or Roy Barrett, but like across the FEI and, you know, obviously senior management and, and obviously board level, like I do think there's, you know, uh, a high level of interest in the progression of the League of Ireland, uh, which is great. Now, not just the League of Ireland, by the way, obviously there's other areas that, you know, that they're, you know, that they're, there's keen interest in, in and, that. But can, yeah. can, I, can I just say, and this is brief, and I know that the FEI is beholden to the government because of the scenarios that we've had. But if you look, if you look at the racing parlance, the, the government would look on its investment in racing through the through the betting um, levy as it's not a handout. It's actually an investment that you know creates jobs and brings money back into the economy. And horse race in Ireland will throw these figures that you know we've X amount of sales, we've X amount of breeding, and so forth. So the League of Ireland club, obviously, the the, the plus side for developing a player is that you might sell a Gavin Bazuna for what is now going to be some give or take 1.5 million um, and you sell a scales or whatever even though he didn't come to the academy but that, that model what can you say to the government how can we get together to say to the government listen some of this money actually could be put into not, not, not necessarily facilities certainly not wages but actually just academies yeah. and, 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 and keeping kids at home but see, it's more than just about the academy piece, to be honest with you, Johnny. And that's the thing where we're falling down. It's too, our focus is too narrow at times. Like okay. even at the minute, we're having conversations. We had meetings about it last week with Mark, obviously Mark Sellen. Mm. You know, we're having conversations as to, okay, well, what will the league look in five or 10 years time? Like not just the club, but what will the league look like? And then we're trying to work backwards from that, if you like, you know, so, because um, I think that's important. And, and again, obviously the academy piece is obviously an important piece, but it's not the only piece, if you like. So, so from our point of view, we need to basically come up with a vision of what this will look like in the next five or 10 years and um, come up with a plan as to how we, you know, we, we plan to achieve, uh, you know, uh, delivering upon the vision. Uh, and we also have to sort of build trust of, you know, whether it's government or whether it's Sport Ireland or whether it's, you know, sponsors, you know, that this is a really progressive league, you know, with a lot going for it that people want to be part of and, and that they can trust that, you know, if we're given, you know, whatever, whatever support, you know, mm -hmm. uh, we need to, to, to kickstart us, that, that they know that it'll be spent well and that, that they will get value for money in that, you know. So, so we're working on that at the minute, you know, and, but that's part of a bigger piece in terms of, like, I would imagine that, you know, following the publication of the new FEI strategy, there will probably be a new League of Ireland strategy falling out of that, if you like, you know. So, mm -hmm. again, just to really focus in on, on what we're trying to do, but... You know, well, so I agree with you. Obviously, the academy part is important, but it's only part of a bigger picture. Yeah. So we have, um, we, 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 we are going to let you go briefly, but we should look ahead to this weekend's Let him go briefly. Well, He's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like your time in the FEI, you left and you came back eventually. Um, well, I should actually, I mean, with your shells head on, I mean, does party just look at this stuff thing and go, with your shells head on going, this is, this is an exciting time. Where, I, look, where yeah. are shells going to be? 
Yeah, look, look again. Obviously, speaking personally, like I'm, you know, like it's been a difficult. Like there's been plenty of, well, very few ups and plenty of downs over the last fifteen mm. years and that, you know. And uh, and to be fair to Ian, like Ian did a great job over the last uh, three seasons and that, you know. And personally, from my point of view, like one of the highlights of following shells over the years was that night in Drada. Mm. Uh, you know, the night we, you know. We probably won the first division uh, two years ago, or whatever. Like that was a that was a brilliant night and probably a highlight for me. Like that sort of beat all the you know the dead horse stuff and the Hadrick split stuff. Really, that, you know, oh, hundred percent. Really, like, wow. Um, and I think most Shells fans would probably agree with that, you know. But it's a uh, so again, obviously, was was disappointing to see him uh, move off. But look, I think the the appointment of Damien, I think it's brilliant. Like you know, and it's um, you know, it's given everybody around the club, uh, you know, a bit of a lift and and obviously, uh, you know, a bit of hope that you know that we can stabilise as a Premier Division club because mm. again like it's going to be difficult next year like even if you look at the, the league table at the minute you know like you're looking at sort of 41, 42, 43 points to stay up like that's that's 13 or 14 wins so and it, it's funny even speaking to you know friends of mine who follow other clubs you know they're saying ah oh, Shells be alright this year and they'll be doing it's like I think the feeling among Shell supporters is you know we would gladly take eight at the moment, you know, and building it from there. Because again, the disappointment of last year, like last year hurt like you wouldn't believe. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, I think everybody's expectations are in check as to, you know, because people are probably honest enough to know that Rome wasn't built in a day. And, you know, we, we don't want to sort of place too many demands on Damien coming in uh, either. Like, you know, but, but look, having said all that, I think it's great for the club. I think there's loads of good things going on uh, behind the scenes as well, like off the pitch and, uh, and obviously, you know, we'd like to think that, you know, for the start of 2023, we'll be uh, a Premier Division club. Yeah, well, you see Damien Duff has already got in there. Um, some players were shown the door. And, My, and, Michael and, and tweeted accordingly. Michael O'Connor in some social media activity, which possibly justified the decision, to be fair. You there, thought. There, there are different but, uh, opinions on that, but to be fair, I know where you're coming from. Yeah, Bowes are playing Rovers. On, on Bowes Friday. on Friday. Keith Long was your big mate, of course. You must be looking forward to seeing him at, in the FBI Cup final stage in a couple of weeks' time. I mean, he's... Yeah, look, it's it, obviously it's been a uh, yeah. Look, it's, it's been yeah. a mad season for Bulls. Yeah, yeah. Look, it, it, I think it's obviously been difficult for them. Like it's been why? Well, I won't get into speaking about clubs on, on this. You're, but no, look, you're intriguing. We are going to. He's an FBI you know. employee. Johnny. Exactly. There's, there's, that, there's it's so been difficult for a club that have been to the Viva Stadium three times and have had the greatest love for well, the media ever. Yeah, Sorry, well. diff difficult in the sense that obviously you know they've had a lot of games and things like that. Whatever, like with you know with a reasonably small squad. Like I think it's been difficult in that regard. But at the same time, I think you're defending. Like, Johnny shaking his head here. Like yeah. a he's, listen, be, he's a Galway. He's a Galway fan. He's had a difficult time. He, he I'm sees a difficult he, child. He sees Bows and their version of hardship is very difficult to True. different to five years in the first division that's right over 20,000 tickets sold for the cup final could Bowes, be a massive crowd well and, and again that's one thing that we want to try and push as much as we can uh, you know because to be fair it's going to be I, I think it'll be a great uh, game to be fair obviously. we need to get all League of Ireland fans give or take from Dublin to at least consider going to the game and promote it accordingly but Johnny the thing about Where the cup the final the, the thing about the cup final for me like it's you know, it's not even about the two clubs in the cup final. It's about everybody who's involved in Irish football. That should be there. Like their absolutely, day players, yeah. everyone, you know I mean? everyone, like grassroots, everyone. School, give them like schoolboys and schoolgirls clubs from around the country absolutely. should be all there. But you have the other fixtures we have. We have Bowes, Shamrock Rovers right, on right, Friday. You want to get them going on Bowes? No, I'm intrigued now. No, no, Bowes, Shamrock Rovers on Friday. Then we've got Derry City and Sligo Rovers also on Friday. Which Derry have more to play for now, though. As I said, Sligo Rovers can be still chasing second potentially. And then, as we mentioned, St. Pat's against Finn Harps. And then on Saturday, Longford, Waterford. So Waterford sort of know what they need to do. 
I suppose going into that game and you know what you need to do to resurrect Irish football to where I don't even resurrect it has it ever been anywhere near it where it should be there's a philosophical well, I'll tell you well there. I remember a couple of years back uh, finally to finish up I remember Niall Quinn was giving one of his talks in the beachcomber there in uh, in Dublin and I, you were at and I didn't actually quite trigged that it was you at the time and you were getting very involved with your questions and you were very much you were involved in football but you are very much on the outside now you're inside is your perception of the challenges have they, has, has it been changed by going inside because sometimes people say it's very easy on the outside to criticise you know but once you're in there dealing with it is it different no I don't think so like it, uh, and, you know look again from my perspective like I've been involved like you know or, like Irish football is very very important to me to be honest with you be a skill by level and my involvement in Joe's and all the rest of it be a following shells uh, over the years whatever and obviously the senior international team so like Irish football like means a lot personally mm. to me whatever and I think we all know what the issues are, you know, um, or we have a good sense of what the issues are and that, you know, and, uh, but no, I, I wouldn't say that the, you know, that I, I, I think that the challenges are different than I would have previously, to be honest no, with you. No, it's what you've expected to some degree, you yeah. know, because you were living it as an academy director. E- so. Exactly. And, and, and to be fair, that's the one thing that I do think I've brought to the role maybe is the fact that, you know, I've been, you know, uh, involved with clubs and I see, you know, the impact of the decisions that are made, you know, uh, say within the FEI, and the impact that they have on, on clubs on the ground and that, you know, so uh, so I think I'm, I'm well placed to maybe provide like an opinion or maybe like influence certain, uh, you know, certain decisions maybe that are made or give like a different, uh, you know, a different, uh, like, you know, an alternative decision or opinion. Perspective rather. on it, yeah. yeah. Now we understand that. Listen, it's we, great. We, it's great have to have to, uh, we have to go. We do have to go, yeah. Um, we have put a few questions to the FEI just on behalf of Future Ticketing as well in relation to um, the Cup Final Ticketing process. We'll get to that next with the FEI. Um, final question, oh, and this is a one-word answer. Question. Who's a more important, who has a more important job in Irish football, Stephen Kenny or the person who replaces Rude Dotker? No comments. There that, we go. That was a two that, word answer. That, we really have to go. Best yeah. of luck to all the teams this weekend. Best of luck to Derek's Carrie. That's very nice. J- J- his NCT. I, I, that was actually a disingenuous good luck. I just wanted to, I just wanted to give Dale's car the best. Thanks, Will, for coming in. Thanks for coming in, Will. And uh, yeah, we'll be talking to you all next week. <laughs>